Welcome to episode 107 of Special Situation Investing. Can investors use options to pull investment returns forward or to enhance overall results? After some reflection on the question, I think the answer is a qualified yes. Qualified yes because not all categories of investments are enhanced by the overlay of an option strategy. My co-host and I classify our investments into three broad groups, which include generals, workouts, and controls. For a more detailed discussion of the three categories, see episode 60, entitled Warren Buffett's Ground Rules. But for now, you only need to know the following. Generals are investments in wonderful businesses that you intend to hold for years, decades, or even permanently. Controls are investments in which the investor's direct control of the business allows for the realization of value. In a control, investor might take over a business and then sell underperforming assets and distribute the cash flow to shareholders in a way that entrenched management is unwilling or unable to do. Finally, we have workouts, which are essentially special situations. These investments aren't meant to be long-term holds, but rather have a value and time-bound thesis associated with them, where the investor expects a specific return over a set period in order to realize their investment return. Because the strategy highlighted in today's episode involves the sale of call options, and because those options could be exercised at any time, it is not a fitting strategy for either a control or a general investment. Having either a control or a general called from you is counter to the investment thesis behind that category of investment, and therefore is not a risk worth taking. Workouts can successfully be blended with an option strategy, because holding the investment for an indefinite period of time was never part of the original investment thesis. This concept can be illustrated with an example. Regular listeners will be familiar with our investment thesis in Garrett Motion. We purchased shares in the company prior to, during, and after its bankruptcy, based on the belief that the company was basically sound, but had been saddled with an onerous debt burden at the time of its spinoff from Honeywell. Assuming we believed the company to be worth $10 to $20 per share when we first started buying it, and assuming that those shares traded for at times less than $3, would we not have parted with the shares years ago had someone offered us between $10 and $20 for them at the start? Of course we would have, because Garrett isn't a company that we intend to hold for years, decades, or forever. Garrett is a workout, and as such has defined thesis, timeline, and catalysts that we're betting will play out. Our thesis was that it would pay off its debt, normalize its capital structure, and then trade in line with its peers. Our timeline at this point is that at the end of 2024, our catalyst, which is the upgrade from a BB minus junk rating to a triple B investment grade rating, will have played out, and the company will have one class of stock, normalized capital structure, and trade in line with its peers in the OEM industry. For more on the history of this special situation, see episodes 27 and 74, where we describe the company's path from debt-laden spinoff to bankruptcy restructuring, and finally to its present iteration with a single class of stock and soon-to-be investment-grade credit rating. We believe that CEO Oliver Rabler is focused on the company's credit rating because of statements that he's made publicly, most recently at the 2023 Q3 earnings call, where he stated... 
During the quarter, we repurchased 161 million of stock through our approval of 250 million share repurchase program in line with our capital allocation priorities. We also executed an early repayment of 200 million of debt within the quarter, a strong step toward delivering towards our target net leverage ratio of two times consolidated EBITDA to net debt by the end of 2024. All this contributed to Garrett being upgraded by Standard & Poor's to a BB- stable credit rating. End quote. Garrett's EBITDA is currently $630 million, implying, based on Mr. Rabler's statement, that the company will carry no more than about $1.2 billion in debt in 12 months' time. Current debt is around $1.67 billion as of Q3, leaving Garrett to pay down nearly $500 million in debt by the end of 2024, assuming that EBITDA remains constant. Garrett's enterprise value currently hovers around five times EBITDA, and as we know, enterprise value is the sum of a company's market cap, outstanding debt, and pension liabilities minus its cash. Garrett's enterprise value is $3.38 billion, of which $1.67 billion is debt and $1.89 billion is market cap, and with the remainder in cash and pension liabilities. Now, if Garrett pays off $500 million of debt, but keeps EBITDA steady near $600 million, then its enterprise value should still be five times EBITDA, or close to $3 billion. As we stated before, enterprise value is the sum of the company's market cap, debt, and pension liabilities minus its cash, meaning that the market cap must increase by the amount that the debt decreased in order to keep enterprise value constant. Put another way, Garrett's market cap must, all else being equal, rise by $500 million because the debt decreased by $500 million. $500 million added to the current $1.89 billion market cap implies a nearly 30% increase in Garrett's common share price. A second valuation bump could come to Garrett in the form of a credit rating upgrade. The company's closest comparable peer is Borg Warner, which over the last several years traded at an enterprise value close to six times EBITDA. A move up from five times to six times EBITDA for Garrett would add another $600 million to its market cap. Combined with a $500 million increase in market cap from the debt repayment, adds up to a $1.1 billion increase in market cap over the company's current $1.897 billion, or a final market cap of nearly $3 billion. At this point in our discussion, we need to circle back to the options discussion. If you owned all the stock in Garrett today at $1.89 billion, and somebody offered you $3 billion for all of it, would you take it? Of course you would, as they're offering you exactly what the company's worth, but you don't have to wait a year to get your money out. Now, if that same person offered you $1.9 billion for the whole company, would you take that? Of course you wouldn't, as the return is essentially zero, and you're forgoing the possibility of a much greater return if you just wait the full year for your thesis to play out. At this point, we've established that Given an expected rate of return and timeline for a workout, there's a valuation at which we'd sell the company today and a valuation below which we would continue to hold the company in hopes that our original thesis would play out. In the case of Garrett Motion, let's assume that the company's stock will return 50% over the next year. This is not a prediction, it's just an example. Now, if that's true, then beginning today and continuing forward, 
Each month, we can anticipate what the price of Garrett stock would be given a 50% combined annual growth rate. And for those listening to the podcast, transcripts are always available on our Substack. There's a link in the podcast notes. In the transcript, all these numbers are printed out in a chart, and you can refer to them a little bit more easily. So this information is useful because we know at what price and below the investment is not worth selling and at what price and above it is worth selling. If six months from now the investment has returned 40%, but was only expected to have returned 25% at that point, then it could be sold. Selling six months early at 90% of your expected gain in the investment will yield a much higher combined annual growth rate because most of the return was already earned, but in only half the expected time. In other words, if you're expecting a 50% return over a year and you've already got 40% of your return in six months, you might as well just sell at that point and move on because your combined annual growth rate is much higher with the 40% gain over six months. And there's not much return left in the investment over the next half year. Selling call options on Garrett shares you already own is simply selling another investor the right but not the obligation to purchase your shares at a set strike price. The payment or premium you receive in exchange for offering this option to another investor is money that you keep and that adds to your overall return. The option strike price should be above the pre-calculated value of Garrett's shares at a 50% combined annual growth rate on the date the option expires. This will ensure that you're not selling the stock for less than you believe it's worth. Using specifics to add clarity, we can see that a $7.74 share of Garrett today, compounded at a 50% combined annual growth rate, would be worth $8.44 in two months' time. If we sold a call option with a strike price of $9 due in 73 days, then we would earn $0.15 per share from the option, or nearly a 12% annualized return. So that's 15 cents times six equals 90 cents and 90 cents divided by $7.74 equals an 11.6% return or nearly a 12% return. Note, there are six doubling periods available in one year if you're buying a two-month option because every two months you could buy a new option and get that premium over again. So that 15% premium you got in the two months You could do that six times. That's where the 90 cents comes from. Again, this is only an example. Each investor must decide which strike price and option premium justifies them capping their overall return through the sale of a call option. By selling calls, the investor is, in essence, turning their common shares into a type of preferred share because they're receiving a set dividend premium for the sale of the option in exchange for a limited upside the strike price of the option. In theory, you could sell an option for nothing with a strike price of $100 that expires in 45 days on Garrett stock. If the price rose dramatically and the option were exercised at that price, the investor could rightfully claim that they'd received a better return through the option than if they'd waited a full year for the anticipated 50% rise in a $7 stock. But because they didn't receive any cash for the sale of the option, the whole exercise would be pointless. It would only serve to limit their potential upside return. 
I use this rather extreme example to highlight the importance of receiving an adequate premium in exchange for having capped your upside return in the stock. Again, calculating the strike price and premium needed to justify capping your investment upside is a decision that each investor must make for themselves. Even if the investor decides not to employ an option strategy, however, the mental clarity that comes from having worked through each potential outcome is well worth the time spent. This is because you must have a very clear understanding of your investment thesis and timeline, along with the total return you expect to receive, in order to have any hope of understanding which options could be profitable and which will not. In other words, just going through the whole exercise, looking at whether or not it would be profitable to sell a call option on a workout type scenario clarifies your thinking because you have to know absolutely for sure what your timeline is, what you think the end value of the investment will be, and at what point along the way you've earned enough to justify getting out of the investment rather than waiting till the end of the thesis to play out. So this whole strategy, even if you use it, just a wonderful way to clarify your thinking your thesis around an investment uh, and know why you hold what you hold. And with that, we wrap up another episode of the show. As always, we hope you're getting value out of our real-time investment research. We appreciate all of your support and engagement and especially thank those of you who send us boosts over for the Fountain Podcasting app. We look forward to bringing you more actionable investment write-ups again soon and we'll see you again next week.